Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Coming up, Lab and I recap the Northern Trust and catch up on our fantasy challenge. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. John Rahm played a new Jaws full-toe wedge for the first time in competition at the Northern Trust. It's a 58-degree wedge that's bent to 60 degrees. Johnny Wonder has all the details at worldofwonder.callawaygolf.com. Rahm first started testing the wedge two weeks ago after asking to try lob wedges with a little more bounce. In testing, Rahm's jaws full toe performed well out of the bunker, out of the light to heavy rough in 20 to 30 yard shots, and on fuller shots from 35 to 75 yards. The feedback from Rahm was that he really liked the progressive weighting from heel to toe, along with the nippiness of the micro grooves. The slightly wider sole also gave him some extra freedom to hit the shots that he visualized with this club. Jaws full toe is designed to give you control on all types of wedge shots, from chips, pitches, flops, and bunker shots to full shots into the green. It's an absolute spin machine with full-face jaw grooves, offset groove-in groove technology, and all-new raw face. Confidence and control come from a full-toe shape and specialized C-grind. It's available for pre-order on August 26th and will be at retail on September 9th. Lab, I'm home. I got home late Monday night, about midnight. I guess that would be Tuesday morning. Uh, the first playoff event is finally over. I, it was rewarding only in as much, and, and I mean this with all sincerity, only in as much that I really wanted to see Tony Finau win. Yes, I think, I think everyone in golf wanted to see Tony Finau win. I mean, it's been five-plus years since he broke through at the Puerto Rico, the opposite field event back in 2016. I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those narratives that, oh, Tony Finau is one of the good guys in golf. Like, he genuinely is, and I think John Rahm said it best uh, when he was speaking ahead of um, this week's BMW championship, where he said, if you don't like Tony Finau, then you have something wrong with you. And, th- and that really is true. I mean, you could, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the world of golf, players, caddies, swing coaches, equipment reps, media, volunteers, fans who, who don't like this guy. And so for as close as he's come over the past five years, and all the near misses to, to see him finally break through um, was, was certainly satisfying. And I, I couldn't help but chuckle, Rex, um, because of b- between, between you and I, you know, I'm the, I'm the wannabe meteorologist. I mean, if there's, if, there's a, if there's a bad storm, if there's potential tornadic activity, if there's a 
hurricane, if there's a tropical oh, storm. I mean, I love that stuff. I absolutely eat it up. Like if there's a storm, I'm watching Weather Channel 24-7. And yet you had the tropical storm uh, follow you to Tokyo. And now you had a hurricane downgraded to a tropical storm in New Jersey, of all places. What are you expecting at Eastlake? I mean, locusts descending, uh, some kind of, of, of wind event. What are you anticipating here? Let, let, let's be clear. You, you didn't get it quite right. There was actually two storms in Japan. If you remember correctly, there was a, a tropical cyclone, was what they called it, that came through on Tuesday before the men actually played and it kind of rained out the first two days of practice. So in three consecutive weeks on the road, two in Tokyo, one in New Jersey, I was hit by not just storms, but name storms. How am I doing? How am I doing? Very well. Very well. Yeah. No kidding. I feel like Jim Cantori. Every time I show up, people just start running. They start packing things up and putting boards on windows because I am, I, apparently, I am the arbiter of bad things to come. I, I'm the guy that you look for whenever the storm clouds come over the horizon. It was, it was an interesting week, and I do want to touch on Tony because the sort of the angle I took with my column on Monday night was more of sort of a recap of where he's been and, and how he got here because it's pretty amazing. It was actually 1,975 days. And we always put these numbers between victories for him. We always put these numbers just to try to quantify it. And I, and I don't think that really does it justice because, it, and I just looked at this season because I had been at the American Express. I covered it. I'd been at the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Ponds. I was there. I was at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. He had a chance to win all of those. And I spoke to him after every single one of those missed opportunities, swing and miss every single time. And every single time, he always said the right things. He always said he's heading in the right direction, that this was positive. But what I couldn't wrap my mind around, and I, I'd be curious to think if you were coming from the same directive, direction, there's no way that I don't care how much confidence you have. I don't care how much self-belief you have. After 1,975 days, you're going to start doubting yourself. And I think in this particular case, he had to, which is even more impressive to me that he was able to not just win, but I will give him style points. I mean, he had to gut that one out. Now, granted, Cameron Smith let him off the leash, uh, let him off the hook a little bit on the first extra playoff hole, putting his tee shot into the Hudson River. But it was it was a gutsy performance. I mean, he had to catch John Rahm, number one in the world, which was never going to be an easy task. And then he had to execute some very, very difficult shots coming down the stretch. But again, I go back to, he said all the right things after all of these near misses, but I, I don't believe that you can possibly have that much confidence. Yeah, I think this was certainly as much of a, a, a mental hurdle as it, as it was physical. When you look at his, his physical tools, there's really nothing that has held him back from winning double-digit times on the PGA Tour. And in fact, when you look at his final round scoring average, it's better than, it's better than the Tour average. Like, and that, that's always been the case. And when you look at whether it's the 39 top tens or the eight runner-up finishes or the, the myriad playoff losses that he's had in the past five plus years, it, it, it is interesting in that it's not like he's been gagging away these opportunities to win. It's either, you know, he'll make a, he'll may, maybe make a, a critical error late in the tournament or someone else will just play a little bit better. You know, it was very rarely was he blowing up at the end to lose? He did mention uh, the Phoenix Open in 2020 is kind of his most difficult loss. He thought that that was one of the, the best tournaments that he's ever played um, in terms of his his performance. And, and Webb Simpson still got him. And that when you take the COVID break, he was able to kind of reassess, you know, maybe think about what he could have done differently. But what he did Monday 
at Liberty National is what we've kind of been waiting for. Yet he certainly got some help. There is there is no doubt about that. John Rahm missed a five footer on 15. He failed to get up and down on the drivable 16th, and then he had bad drives on 17 and 18 that doomed his chances. Cameron Smith, as you mentioned in the playoff, sailed one out of bounds with a with just a terrible miss hit, um, and really didn't even make a make a contest of it. That said, Finau did everything that we've been waiting for him to do. The eagle on 13, the precision with his wedges, which has kind of been you know, his bugaboo over the past couple of years, the clutch up and down in the 72nd hole, um, including that six-footer just to get into what was very likely to be a, a playoff. I mean, the back 930, the best of the day, 65. I mean, that's the Tony Finau that we have wanted to see. And so, I, you know, the, the easy thing to say is, oh, this is going to open the floodgates for him. And, and I'm not sure if, if it is just because the depth at the top of the PGA Tour is, is so great. But you could just see the sense of relief, the, the burden and the weight lifted off of his shoulders. And it wouldn't be surprising now to see Tony as a guy who can win, you know, one to three times for the next couple of years on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's only 31 years old. He's very much in the athletic prime of his career and, you know, getting that proverbial monkey off his back. This is an opportunity for him to now to, to get cooking a little bit. Well, and this goes back to, to, to the point that I made before. Yes. I, I think I'll go straight to the American express where Siwoo Kim shot a final around 64. He was outplayed. And this is, it's the conversation that makes for a perfect podcast, right? Did he lose? Did he win? You know, did someone else beat him? I mean, it, it's all fun and games up until the point that you actually have to put yourself in a position that you had to execute. And I wrote this line and I know it comes off as sort of a, a backhanded compliment, I guess is how I would put it, but I don't think anyone has done less with more in their careers than Tony Finau. And I mean that by, I don't know that anyone has the physical gifts that he has. And if you look at, again, going back to 1,975 days over the span of that, since he won his first victory in Puerto Rico, all those years ago, he's become a perennial contender. I mean, if you look at what he has done on Sundays, just not in events, at major championships, he's put himself into the hunt. And he's also become something of a solid Ryder Cup player. Again, I'll go back to Paris, where I think we talked about this last week. He was one of the few, if any, highlights for the American team. I think he went two and two as a captain's pick there. So uh, he had done all of these things without a victory. I think you're absolutely right. Where, where does he go now? I guess David Duval would be the best example of, okay, once he got that spark, he was propelled forward. I don't know if that's where he goes. I don't know if he goes on one of those David Duvall tears, but I would tend to agree with you. I tend to think that, yes, he, I think special things are on the horizon. And I think we discussed I, there is there, there is something I, I do want to touch on too, Rex. You were, you were out there covering the tournament. And I want to put on my, my tinfoil hat for a minute and go. I had a rain hat on. Did you? Like, like it was Scotland? Oh, yeah. Rain hat. Oh, that's, oh, that's cute. I mean, yeah. they, did, they did get nine inches of rain. Also, tip of the cap to the the grounds crew at Liberty National. I mean, to endure four, nine inches of rain in a 48-hour span, I don't care if you have a sub-air system. I mean, that is incredible to get the golf course to be in playable shape. Yeah, a tip of the hat, too, to the weatherman. Like, we, we make fun of this all the time. Like, who, who else in the world can be right at their job only 50% of the time? And, and that's the joke. Maybe it's 10% of the time. And Scott, golf riders? Uh, golf riders, it seems like, is the obvious choice because we never seem to pick the right person. However, in this particular case, they said it was just going to be a rain event, that the, the worst of the storm was Henri was going to go to more to the east and the north. And that's what happened. It hit Rhode Island. And, you know, I hope those people are OK. But I mean, we just got a lot of rain. It was an interesting Sunday, though. It, it was like one of those Sundays that 
you never really have on the PGA tour. I've actually had it twice now in the last few years where you just kind of sit in your hotel room and there's nothing to do except sit and watch the rain. I, I, I have to be honest with you. That was the weirdest part of it all. Okay. So I want to get into this because here's, here's my conspiracy theory. Okay. John Rahm had a 10 footer for birdie on the 18th green on Saturday afternoon. Had he made that putt, John Rahm would have taken a one shot lead heading into the final round. We've already seen a precedent in the playoffs in this very tournament, in a tournament that was affected by a hurricane back in 2010. Dustin Johnson was declared the 54 hole winner of the Northern trust um, because a hurricane was coming and they wanted to move on to the second playoff event. Do you think Rex had John Rahm made that putt, you would have had the world number one, with a one-shot lead with one round to go. Obviously, the Hurricanes bearing down the East Coast. You've already had the precedent. Do you think that Jay Monahan would have still made the decision to alter the competition rules and want to get in 72 holes no matter what at all costs? And not to simplify this, but that was a significant adjustment that he made late Sunday night, the commissioner. I mean, for him to announce, there's only one other tournament, at least a PGA Tour event, that was played under those rules. The normal policy for the PGA Tour is you play Monday. If more than half the field is able to finish their round, then yes, you take it to Tuesday to get in 72 holes. You play Monday and less than half the field is able to finish their rounds on Monday. You call it at 54. You revert back, which is what you're referring to. And the commissioner stepped in late Sunday night, very late Sunday night, and decided that because of the significance of these events and all three playoff events so this week uh, at the BMW uh, Championship, the Northern Trust and the Tour Championship, that that rule is going to get pushed aside. So the other, only other event that had this sort of, no, 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 we're going to go 72 regardless rule was the Players' Championship. Now it's the players and the three playoff events. To your point, yes, I, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but absolutely. If John Rahm makes that putt, and it's a clean 54-hole leaderboard, and they can move on for a lot of different reasons. And, and here are the two that immediately come to mind. One, Northern Trust is no longer. Northern Trust has stepped down as a sponsor. It will be... The Memphis stop, the FedEx St. Jude next year will be the first playoff event. So it won't be in New Jersey. It won't be sponsored by Northern Trust. What is the overwhelming motivation to take care of a sponsor that's leaving at the expense of a sponsor that's not? And I mean that by BMW Championship. Had we not been able to finish, and the forecast was not good for right. Monday. There was plenty of rain. We, we they got very started. lucky. We, we did. We did. We, we, the, the tea times were pushed back four hours. I mean, so we got very lucky. In a, in a worst case scenario, you would have had to finish Tuesday, which means that guys wouldn't have been able to make it down to Baltimore to start preparing for this week's BMW championship on Tuesday. And I had numerous players text me, call me, say something to me in Starbucks on Sunday morning about, hey, man, this isn't right. Like, I'm not in the pro-am next week at the BMW championship. If this goes to Tuesday, I'm going to go to a golf course, Kays Valley, which no one has seen because it's never hosted a PGA Tour event. And I'm going to have to play that in a playoff event without having played a practice round. Again, you're kind of taking away from one sponsor, BMW, that's for the sake of another sponsor is what this felt like, Northern Trust. Northern Trust is going away. So to your answer, I mean, to your question, absolutely. I think if it was clean, they would have called it because it was a very, Man, very- that is deep. just, that is so interesting to think about, right? And look, it didn't happen. And so we're just going down a rabbit hole here, but it is very interesting to think about had that happened and John Rahm made that 10 footer on the, 54th hole of the tournament. A, Tony Fina would not have a second victory. B, John Rahm would then have a second victory 
of this PGA Tour season. I probably don't have to remind you that since the PGA Tour started handing out Player of the Year awards in 1990, there has never been a Player of the Year who had just a single victory to his credit who is named Player of the Year. And so there's some there's some significance to Rom missing that putt, to Commissioner Jay Monahan making that decision. It's an alternate reality that ended up not happening, um, but it is interesting uh, to think about. And, and look, they, they got very lucky with the forecast. Um, all the players were able to make that three-and-a-half-hour drive down to Baltimore to begin their preparation at Caves Valley. The uh, Pro-Am round is underway today. Um, for the BMW Championship, it's all ancient history at this point. It was just a regular old Monday finish. Um, but it is interesting to think about um, what could have happened in the playoff opener. Rex, I want to get to something real quick since you did cover the tournament. What was more surprising to you? John Rahm coughing up uh, what was a two, briefly a three-shot lead on the back nine or Cam Smith uh, absolutely heel-cutting one um, into the junk and, and pumping that one OB? What was more surprising? And he almost put his his breakfast ball into the Hudson river as well. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, no, Cam Smith talked about it after the round. The driver has been a problem for him. If you go back and look at it statistically, he is struggling with the driver. And when you put yourself in a situation where you have to execute a very, very difficult shot, I mean, that was a tough tee shot in those conditions. The wind was left to right. It, dude, it, you would have hated this. It was oh a little God. slightly oh, into the, left or right. The, the, the out of bounds is way too close to the right-hand side for my liking. <laughs> you would have put it into the first fairway. I'll just play it from over there. I'll, I'll get oh, it. absolutely. I think that's I think that's the better angle. Uh, it's not the better angle because there's all kinds of manufactured hills in over there, but it's, uh, it's, it's not, the better it's angle. Not, it's you, not OB. It's not OB. You're not exactly. You're not reaching the, the ball back up. So, no, I wasn't uh, surprised by Cameron. I, I guess when it comes to John Rahm, and I, I, I was watching – very, very carefully on Saturday because I thought this could this could be it, right? So I was kind of prepared to write a game story off of Saturday's round. And if you look at what happened to John Rahm about midway through that round, he got a case of, of the weird laughs. I mean, he is the world number one, and when he's in full flight, he's a, he's a joy to watch because it just doesn't seem like he's playing the same game as a lot of other players. But in that particular case, he just looked like he was a little lost. And there was a good 30, 40-minute span in there where everything was left. He was putting himself in a bad situation. And he was able to play his way out. And there's something to be said for, okay, I found a fix and was able to finish off the tournament. But, he, I mean, he really made the tournament with what he did sort of midway through that third round. I mean, he really should have ran away from this one. So to answer your question, I guess I'm not surprised that it's still golf and still weird things happen. And he's not a robot out there. He's, he's capable of making mistakes. Uh, it, it is a good thing that I did not push send on the tweet because I had something in my drafts that said something along the lines of not to be a type uh, – hyperbolic but John Rahm's never gonna finish outside the top three ever again or sort seemed he was just that much in control and he can talk about his speed control in the greens and how he should have adjusted quicker um, it was the driver that that let him down uh, by the stretch down the stretch as well as uh, a, a bladed pitch shot um, for the second round in a row maybe not the second day in a row since it was Saturday and Monday um, but the, the way that he was chopping up around the 16th green was was very very surprising one of the other storylines and we touched on this in last week's podcast rex is how this u.s Ryder cup team is shaping up this is the final week of qualifying five americans have already clinched their spot on the u.s roster that's kyle morikawa dustin johnson bryson DeChambeau, brooks kepka and justin thomas they have all clinched their spot by virtue of his victory at the northern trust tony finau actually moved up into that sixth and final 
automatic spot, but depending on how they play this week, you have an opportunity for Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Patrick Cantlay, and Daniel Berger. If he wins the BMW and Finau finishes last, I think um, it is the possibility that all of those players could grab the, the final spot. I do think, and I touched on this last week, that all of those guys are probably safe anyway. Xander's getting a pick regardless of if he's sixth or seventh. Speed, same ditto for him. Harris English, yep. Cantlay, he's the 10th ranked player in the world. Yeah. Berger, I, I made the case for him that he should be, I believe I called him a partial lock. He's one of the most well-rounded players on the PGA Tour. He seems like a good bet. What is interesting this week, though, Rex, that is different from seven days ago is the fact that Patrick Reed, he's either at home recovering or he's still in a Houston area hospital recovering from what is being described by his wife, Justine, as a, quote, very scary uh, diagnosis of double pneumonia. It's not clear the cause of that diagnosis. If it's COVID-related, we do not have that information. But this was a guy who was already dealing with an ankle injury that had knocked him out of the past two tournaments. Now he's dealing with double pneumonia. He is very likely, since he has withdrawn from the BMW, to fall outside that top 30 and not qualify for the tour championship. And so Steve Stricker potentially would, would be putting a guy and picking a guy who has not played in about a month and was just in the hospital recovering from double pneumonia for the Ryder cup team. So Patrick Reed's status for the Ryder cup team, he was probably a lock a month or two ago. He is very much uncertain at this point. And Finau uh, seems all but certain to be on that team. Where are you now? with what appears to be that that sixth and final captain's pick for Steve Stricker in regards to Patrick Reed or someone else? This isn't going to be popular. And I, I feel for Patrick, I hope he's recovering well. And uh, he was also suffering from an ankle injury as well. So all of those things, I, I feel bad for him. But is this really a problem for Steve? I mean, if I'm being honest, is it, is it really a problem? Because if, you, if we were having this conversation a month ago. It's Patrick a great Reed, excuse for him. It's a great excuse yes. for him. Patrick Reed was on that team and, and it made us cringe and it probably made him cringe a little bit. Look, he's not Captain America anymore. The shine's off. You know, he, he said too much after Paris and, and gave away some secrets. And, you he's know, still to- like seven, three and one in the Ryder cup though, Rex. He's, he's I mean, a he, great match by player. He's got one of the best short games in the world. What do you pair with him though? Do, do, do we go the Webb Simpson? Route? Bryson. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I think Brooks, yes, Ke- I, Brooks I, Kepka said he wanted to play with him. I think Brooks was just being kind when he said to that again, I feel like sure. You Brooks brought it up. You could probably find someone to play with him. Speed could play with him. You could probably justify a pick. Like I, people probably aren't going to, you know, be all that upset if he made him a pick. But in my mind for Steve, it's like, okay, well, then this is my easy out here. You know, he's not healthy. He's not playing. He's dropped out. Uh, he'll probably drop outside the top 10 on that list. But when everything's said and done, I, I, I don't think of this as a problem. He's got enough issues in that team, team room right now with Bryson and Brooks that he probably doesn't need to add Patrick Reed to the mix. And it's probably a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. And again, not a popular opinion. I feel terrible for Patrick. I really hope he recovers and he plays well, but let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly un- unfortunate for, for Patrick Reed. I think he would have been a good addition to that U.S. team, but as, as harsh as you just made it sound, uh, it's certainly a, an easy out for Stricker. He can say in his press conference, look, we, we're, we're all – thinking of Patrick and hope he makes a full recovery, but this is the team that gives us the best opportunity to win. 
done. Too heavy handed. Uh, you're telling me I was too heavy handed. Like even you were kind of like a little oh. bit. Even I mean, even 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 I was cringing during during the, during that uh, during that conversation. The but man like, who I, called for a caddy to be fired <laughs> is cringing because I'm just trying to be honest. Again, I feel I didn't terrible. call for him to be. I I I called for him to be essentially traded. Essentially traded no, for another player. No, it, it was fired. And I do want to correct something. You seem to think Daniel Berger's a lock. I do not. Partial lock. lock. I called him a partial I lock. I don't even know about a partial lock. I agree with you on Xander, Jordan. Uh, Harris is interesting to me. I, I, I think he will. He's not interesting. Win. He's been one of the best Americans in the world over the past six months. Totally agree. And I'm just curious where, what kind of captain Stricker is Stricker going to be? If, if I'm looking at it objectively as a captain, I want Harris English on that team for what you just said. He's been one of the best American players for quite a while. That being said, I don't know what Stricker's trying to do with his team. I don't know what he's thinking as far as pods and pairings and everything else that goes into this that we know is so complicated. I feel like Cantlay would be, if not a lock, then a partial lock. He's a partial where lock. I, where I start to see pluses and minuses and arrows and you're, you're connecting dots is, is Berger, Webb and, and Scotty Scheffler. Like those three to me, and, and I like Scotty a lot. I think he would, he would be very, very fiery. And I think he could be a huge asset to that team. So all of those guys are, are fascinating to me because I'm just curious. Like I, I'd love to be in the team room right now hearing whatever. They don't, have a, they don't have a team room yet. It's mostly on Zoom. Well, yeah, so the virtual team room. Whatever it is they're discussing, I'm sure Tiger's piping in with a lot of text, with, with a lot of ideas. So I, I, I think it's going – it's not 100%. I, I think he's got some decisions to make really over the next week and a half as far as what he wants his team to look like and where he wants the strengths to be. So we always said like, oh, Strickle will just go by the book. And then there was a lot of hand-wringing, I would say, over the past couple of months. That, oh, he's got to go off the beaten path. Let's take Kiz. Let's take Phil. Let's take Scotty. Let's take Zal Torres, all this stuff. If you remove Patrick Reed from this list, he's currently number 10. He's probably going to slip down further by not playing the BMW or the Tour Championship. There is a very real possibility that right now Steve Stricker is just going to take the top 12. He's yes. just going to go straight down the list. Yes. He would take Webb Simpson. You can easily justify a Webb Simpson pick. Can you not? Great putter, great iron player, team great room alternate guy. shot, team sure. room guy. He's a Ryder Cup veteran. He's a perfect partner for Bryson. Like You can easily make the case for Webb Simpson. And right now, at this point, gun to my head, I would probably pick Webb Simpson for that U.S. team. And so we've been – we've. We've thrown out all these various scenarios on the podcast over the past couple of months, even the past couple of years after this thing got delayed a year. And Steve Stricker, in all likelihood, is just going to go one through 12 on this list once you remove Patrick Reed's name. I, I, I can see it. I can definitely see it happen. Now, it gets interesting. Again, I'm not 100% sure that he's done on Phil Mickelson. And I know you're going to roll your eyes he, and be like, I think, no I way. Think Phil's, I think Phil's done on Phil Mickelson. I don't even think Phil Probably. would lie pick at this point there's no way there's no way yeah. phil thinks he's playing well enough to to be a, a, a addition not a subtraction to the u.s team which leads to the second question which would be the follow-up question there that if he is done that he's actually resigned himself to being on this year's team is he ready to be a vice captain because that's the next logical step steve stricker has one opening that we assumed was either for phil or tiger whichever one either takes it or can take it or will take it whatever the case may be there, there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines that are going to unfold over the next two weeks simply because of who the picks are and then what will the team look like as far as not just on the field, but like, is Tiger going to be there? Is Phil going to finally just sort of resign himself to this? That This is my time in life. I need to get start getting ready for to be a captain, so I'm going to be a vice captain. I don't know that Phil's there. Uh, I'm not sure that Phil's there either. Um, I think it's more likely that Phil becomes an assistant than we would see Tiger 
at Whistling Straits. I cannot imagine that Tiger is going to let himself be seen on crutches or driving around a golf cart on a on a course like Whistling Straits after what he has endured um, in February after, after the car crash. I just don't see that happening. What I am interested in, and I don't think we'll ever get a clear-cut answer, is just how much input Tiger is giving Stricker right now. You have to know that as bored as he is when he's not recovering and not doing his rehab and, his, and, and all the things that goes with, with recovering with his lower leg injuries, you have to think that he is absolutely blowing up Stricker with pods, potential pairings, what he's thinking on picks. And so in that case, I think it's, it's interesting, Rex, because if Tiger's been out of the mix for basically a year now, like how much experience has he had seeing Scotty Scheffler play golf? You know, has he ever, has he ever seen, has he ever talked to Will Zalatoris? You know, does he have strong feelings about the way that Kisner's played this season? If he hasn't seen him up close and personal, or does he just go with what Tiger knows and that is the known quantity of Webb Simpson's performance. I don't think he's as involved as we've been led to believe in recent years. We all know that he has taken on this role and he's passionate about it. And of course, when he was captain of the president, you don't, you don't, team, you don't think he's the shadow captain? Uh, not anymore. Not this time around. Uh, I did. I spoke to someone who sort of in these circles who said that, that, that you know, those 3 a.m. text messages that you normally get that, you know, read like Russian novels, they're not showing up like they used to. Whereas he would, you know, he'd be up at ridiculous hours trying to think of pairings and who they should pick and they're they're not coming Just get some sleep man just get some sleep well yeah and i think maybe that's part of it maybe you know you want to say that i don't want to say he's disconnected from the game but he obviously has other things to deal with right now so maybe he is disconnected from the game and he's to your point that he really doesn't know who scotty scheffler would play well with because he hasn't spent any real time around scotty scheffler i would say harris english is probably in the same boat as him so i think on a lot of levels I, you're probably closer to correct and i don't think tiger i have seen him be the shadow captain before i don't think this time around is going to be the case uh rex this is the second playoff event final week to qualify the uh strickers captains picks will be made what two days after uh the tour championship ends harrington's is right around there as well with the bmw pga however and you alluded to it in the opening of this podcast we do have a fantasy team update you and i both drafted seven player teams for the playoffs it was very straightforward how we were going to do this we were going to have a situation where you're just basically accumulating earnings over this three-week stretch of our players the tour championship of course has a 15 million dollar uh, bonus to the winner so you we, we better we better come out ahead and and pick the winner um, and boy, I would think so if we were drafting 14 guys that we could pick the winner of the FedEx Cup. Maybe not. Uh, certainly, depending on your team, it does not look so good at the moment. But after one week standing, I had all seven of my players make the cut at the Northern Trust. It still was not a great week. I'm going to be honest with you. A little, little bit disappointed with John Rahm's uh, Monday finish. Ended up finishing third. So I came in with a grand total, Rex, of $1 million one hundred and twenty six thousand and two hundred and twenty five dollars you accumulated a mere five hundred and forty seven thousand uh forty two dollars just some quick math that's roughly a six hundred thousand dollar advantage that is not insurmountable by any stretch of the imagination that's essentially a third place finish uh this week 
at the BMW, you had only one player finish inside the top 30, and that was Justin Thomas, uh, who tied for fourth at Liberty National. You had two players. Back including your, fourth on that one, too, yeah. Exactly, including your number one overall pick, Colin Morikawa, who is apparently de- dealing with a pinched nerve in his back. He's trying to hit draws instead of cuts. He's just trying to get through. Dustin Johnson can't figure out which driver he wants to play. Uh, how are you feeling about your squad after week one of the Fantasy Challenge? Uh, I was feeling better before I, I spoke with Colin Morikawa after missing the cut on Friday. And again, feel terrible for him. This is terrible timing. I, I, I but I really, really wish he would have uh, made this public before I made him the number one pick because it doesn't sound to me like he's going to be able to turn things around quickly enough. It's it's something it's, he bothered. He, he tweaked his back at the Olympics in Tokyo, and it's just been an ongoing issue. And what was funny is I spoke to him on Friday, wrote a story about it, tweeted it out. I was amazed how many, I don't know how, how you want me to say this, how many people on Twitter really, really just came oh, out of the woodwork screaming. Oh, furious, furious. Oh, furious. Screaming for, for an injury report, screaming that I can't believe he wouldn't have made that public. And under normal circumstances, you know me. I, I'm ignoring those people. But in this particular case, I, I feel your pain. Like, I'm right there with you. Yes, I, I wish he would have disclosed that on Tuesday morning instead of Friday afternoon. Yeah, and you're, you're talking mostly about the degenerate gambling community, uh, yes. which is very sure. upset because they're, they're, right. they're burning their hard-earned money on a guy that <laughs> did not know uh, was nursing an injury. Bigger picture here, Rex for our fantasy challenge is that there are some guys who need a good week here to extend their stay on our fantasy teams. You have Rory McIlroy who former FedEx cup champion uh, looking to actually win a third FedEx cup championship or FedEx cup title. He is 28th in the point standings heading into Caves Valley, a golf course he has never seen before. Mm -hmm. He, he kind of sort of needs to get it together this week if he wants to make it inside the top third. Now, something disastrous would have to happen uh, probably for him to make that drop. But he can't, he can't put up probably a, a finish outside the top 50, you would think. You know, there's a lot of point fluctuations and a lot of things in, in play. But he's 28th. Yeah, I he's have, 26, by the way, just to, according no, to my he stats. Dropped, he's he dropped from 26th to 28th. You might, you might okay. want to update your site. Um, uh, let's see. You have Dustin Johnson, who is 22nd. I have Daniel Berger, who is 23rd, uh, as well as Scotty Scheffler, who is 24th. It is those guys, boy, you'd think they're safe. Um, it helps that also, Patrick Reed's not playing. Again, not to pile on Patrick Reed because I've already apparently crossed over the line when it comes to Patrick Reed, but it, it helps that he is not playing. So at, he's at 26 right now. He is going to more than likely fall out because there will be no points for him because he's not playing this week. It, it'll be close. He's right there on the edge. But it, that will help everyone, including Rory. Uh, but when it comes to our fantasy challenge and you have $15 million to the winner, I can see now that neither of us have two of the top three in the standings. Neither of us picked Tony Fina, who really hadn't done much of anything uh, this summer, and Cameron Smith, who I considered – uh, but was not ready to make the leap on Cameron Smith, who entered the playoffs at number 16 and is now all the way up to number three. Is there any words of encouragement before we sign off on the podcast that you'd like to give your boys before they tee it up this week at Caves Valley? Uh, I want Rory to stop tinkering with his driver. Like It's great. I understand that you feel like you're on to something, and he, he talked about it this week. And that's, I mean, he talked about it in New Jersey, and I'm, like, I'm great that you found a new toy, and you feel like you're, you're heading in the right direction. Let's get there. you got two weeks. Let's get there, all right? 
Uh, anything you'd like to say to Bryce Nishambo since you weren't able to talk to him last week? I have not. I knew that was going to set you off. And, and here's, here's my issue with it. And it, it sets a bad precedent. And I think that this is something that the tour is going to have to address. Unlike most other sports leagues, the PGA Tour does not have a mandate that players have to talk to the media. And by and large, throughout my career, I haven't found that to be a problem because I find most players, yes, after they shoot a 78, they're not going to be very engaging. And there's been times when they'd rather not talk. I totally understood that throughout the course of my entire career. I think Bryson is at seven rounds and counting, or is it eight rounds and counting now? Did he talk after the first round? Eight. eight rounds. That's right. Because of whatever it is you wrote about him in Memphis that upset him. So he will not talk to the print media. That being said, there, were, there was a conversation about him speaking with the electronic media last week, but not the print media. What is the electronic that, media? What does that mean? Uh, to, do, to do interviews uh, for TV. Sorry. I mean, that's what. I was going to say, that's, aren't we electronic media? Yes, I guess we are. But uh, to do, to do, you're, talk, you're talking TV. about PJ Tour media partners, whether that is Sirius XM, yes. you talk about Sky Sports, Golf Channel, or Golf CBS. Channel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I understood where the tour officials felt like this was a good compromise. It was not. Wait, he was doing that in Memphis. He would only talk to the PJ Tour media partners. He did it in Memphis for the last three rounds. I, I think that sets an even worse precedent. That, so what you're ending up with is only the filtered news and only the filtered oh, it's a sanitized, fluffy, yeah. nice conversation with Fred Albers. Exactly. And I, I think that's the, the bigger issue here. And, and look, I would be the first to advise Bryson to, to maybe maybe just dial it back. You know, let's go with one word answers just to start out. Let, let's walk before we run here. But you do need to get back on the, on the bicycle with training wheels or without. You do need to stand in front of the media and you do need to take questions. And this is a difficult like, watch how Phil does it. Watch how Tiger has done it the entirety of his career. Watch how Rory does it. I mean, Rory has stepped in it from time to time, and he owns it, moves on, and he's still largely beloved by the media and the fans. So there are ways to navigate it when you make mistakes. Like, I think you and I both believe he did in Memphis when he said something that was obviously he either didn't know or he didn't want to know about vaccination. So in this particular case, you can get around it. Just deciding to put your head in the sand that's not an option. I truly believe it's not an option. I think, I think if I was advising Bryson in Memphis, I think that was probably a good idea to tell him not to talk for the entirety of the Memphis tournament, just to let the situation cool off. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're probably just going to stick your Puma shoe in your mouth again. Let's just, let's just take a breather, take a week off. Let's focus on golf. And then we can get, we can get back after it. Not talking now is, is a problem and you're bordering on conduct unbecoming of a professional and Bryson hasn't played worth a lick. And he certainly didn't play worth a lick at Liberty national. He might not play well again this week at the BMW as he seems to be uh, kind of very much um, trying to find his game at the moment. Uh, however, and I'm with you at some point you need to just man up and answer questions. And I don't think there's any better example or role model for Bryson than Phil Mickelson who's become something of a mentor over these past couple of years, two outside-the-box thinkers who certainly think that they're the smartest men in any room. And Phil, arguably more than any player of the internet age, has, has weathered his fair share of controversies. And yet he is still widely beloved by fans. He's kind of had an on-again, on on off-again relationship with the media, but he's still very much a, a, a go-to for, for those of us who want information and and or need quotes for our story. And I'd be interested to see what kind of 
um, advice or counsel Phil would give Bryson in these moments. Cause, cause not talking just, just is not a long-term solution. And I was actually a little bit surprised Rex and, and Bryson didn't play well on, on Monday at Liberty national. I'm a little bit surprised that he didn't take that opportunity to pimp himself for this long drive competition that he's going to be doing uh, the, the couple days after the Ryder cup, you know, you would think that that would be an opportunity to, to kind of promote yourself. And he did not take that opportunity. Um, so if it extends to 12 rounds after the BMW, if it extends to 16 rounds at the tour championship, I can promise that's only going to do more harm than good. And his press conferences at the Ryder cup from which he will not be able to uh, withdraw himself from uh, will become much more headline news than, than what he's probably intending. And contentious. That's the point. I mean, the long, we're, we're going to continue to keep track of this, right? Like I said, we're, we're on eight rounds and counting now. And once it gets to, as you said, 14 rounds, whatever the case may be, when we get to the Ryder Cup, that's going to be a narrative. And you don't want that to be a narrative during those matches. I mean, there's enough going on. There's enough pressure. There's enough distraction. You don't want this to be one. All right, before we let you get out of here, what are you, what are you smoking this week? What's on the grill? Uh, it's going to be a big week. Uh, there's okay. no doubt about it, Rex. Um, I've got some chicken thighs, which I always love to do. Today, I'm firing up the gateway drum. We're going to do a pork loin, a whole pork loin, uh, which essentially just is, is a big pork chop that you can have. You can have some now. You can have some leftovers. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, with college football beginning in earnest on Saturday with a couple of low-level games, um, I will be firing up the drum again for that. Uh, some chicken wings, probably some sausage. I'm going to pick up uh, a keg later today, get the CO2 tank filled for the college football season. We're about two yeah. weeks and counting until uh, the baby comes. So it's gonna, we're going be we're going to be nesting here uh, for the next couple of months, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm properly satiated. And, and I do want to point out, and congratulations, the baby is coming. And the, but I did want to point out that you are on quarantine now, right? So you're, yes. you're, you're on lockdown. So that this is why yes. this is the only outlet you have other than your job, which I don't even know how much you're even doing that from, from your office in your house. But your, your grill is your only outlet right now. Yeah. I mean, that was probably an unnecessary blow about my work output. Um, but, but thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really not seeing any humans other than, other than the, the cams daycare teachers. <laughs> that's, that's basically the only human interaction that I have each day. Um, and so podcast I, is one of your only I know. interactions. It's good. I yeah. know. That's why, that's why I like, that's why I like this podcast so much. Cause I actually get to talk to another, another human being. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're very much in the, in the throes of it right now. Uh, congratulations. Your work output has been fabulous. I didn't mean to take an unnecessary shot at you before I get out of here. I do want to have, give a, a little bit of love to a, a friend of ours, a former colleague of ours, Jeff Newbar, who is, he lives in California now, he used to live in New Jersey and gave me maybe, Two of the best recommendations for a restaurant that I've ever had. Vito's, which was a deli in Hoboken. Fantastic. It was so good. Uh, I almost I almost decided to, to send some home. I was I was worried that mozzarella probably doesn't mail well overnight. I was gonna, how would you send that home? You got to get a Yeti and... No, no, no. They had options. They gave you options. That, you know, you could, they had coolers and you could package it all up and they would send it. What, did you, what, did, you, what did you order? Uh, well, I went with the veal parmesan because it is Ooh, out of this love, world. Love, love oh, veal parm. Yes, yes. I could have gone back there every single night. And then Leo's was another place at Hoboken. That was very, very good. So thank you to Jeff Newbar for that. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We'll see you next week.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.